Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Today, um, over here on the West, I want to share with you a very simple message. I want to talk to you about the most important conversation I ever had in my life. Uh, If I hadn't had this conversation, I wouldn't be standing here talking to you tonight. And as a result, I look back on that and I reflect on that conversation with a lot of gratitude. And uh, tonight, I want to encourage you that a simple conversation, an unexpected encounter, can have the most extraordinary consequences. I'll say this now just in case I forget. 50 years after this conversation, because I had this conversation in university, I shared this story in the uh, church where Helen and I were at home at the time, at Stairway Church. And a guy came up to me at the end because I shared the man's name. I still remember his name. We were both students at uni. And uh, he said, he's my uncle. And he put me back in touch with him. And uh, the extraordinary thing was, when he heard the story, he didn't remember the conversation. That was a life changer for me. But his wife was a life keys facilitator. Careforce life keys facilitator. And she'd been leading and teaching our courses, or she'd been facilitating our courses for years. And when she found out it was her husband's conversation, that started that whole chain, she just cried. And later we left, we met and had dinner and it was a wonderful thing to catch up with someone who made such a difference in my life and he doesn't even remember the conversation, but I sure do. And today I'm going to share a little bit with you. See, I um, never intended to be a minister. All I ever wanted to be was a high school teacher ever since I was a kid. Grew up going to, uh, going to church, so church wasn't a new thing. Um, But all I wanted to do was be a teacher and in year 12 I won a scholarship and then, uh, in fact Helen did exactly the same, we both were training to be teachers when we uh, we caught up with each other. We met in high school and this year we've been been married for 53 years and she's she's the one who deserves a clap. So I was in uni training to be a commerce teacher and I was very happy with it because I had uh, money in my pocket from a scholarship. I had a car, I had a gun, I had a pretty girlfriend and life was absolutely extraordinary. One thing about Helen was that uh, she, was, she grew up in a home where no one was Christian. But Jesus introduced himself to her when she was four years old in, his, in her backyard. So she was God conscious and by the grace of God came to connect with a little Anglican church close to her home. And uh, she had a wonderful, godly Anglican minister. And so when we started to go out, I'd go to her church and she'd come to mine. And his church had testimonies. Now, I was a Lutheran. I grew up going to a Lutheran church. We didn't have testimonies. I'm not sure if anyone had one, but they they, they didn't tell them. If they did, they kept them to themselves. But her, her Anglican minister used to invite people in to share their stories. And one night, we were there for an evening service, and there was a young man who'd had a dramatic encounter with Jesus. He'd, he'd yielded his life to Christ. 
He was now living for Jesus. He was sharing Christ. He, he just lived. And, and the contrast between him and me was really very disturbing because, I mean, I was to siphon petrol out of other people's cars and then used the petrol to get to choir practice on a Thursday night. And I used to steal my lunch from the university cafeteria every day and then have an extra dollar to put in the offering on a Sunday. I mean, I was not living the life of a disciple of Jesus, I can promise you that. It was just, I was just bizarre, but I was a believer, but I'd never connected it to my life. Now, in that church that night, um, I, I saw this guy, he's a radiant Christian. And I thought, if that's what a Christian is, I'm not one of them. And I'm, I don't want to be one like that. I mean, he's a fanatic and I, I, I'd be embarrassed if I was like that. Then her minister came up to me and quietly asked me a little question. He said, where are you with the Lord, young man? Do you know I'd been going to church all my life and no one had ever asked me that question. And, and it shocked me because I did really on the inside, I had never a clue how to answer it. I gave him some nonsense answer, you know, I used to have, to have my doubts, but now I'm right in there. Um, and I went home that night knowing I didn't know how to answer that question. Stop. <laughs> I'll turn that off because that's not right. Can't ring me up in church. Okay. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I realised I couldn't answer that question and it, and it disturbed me. Three weeks later, I was in my own home church, my own, my own Lutheran church, and we got a visiting Lutheran pastor and he came and preached a message on hell. And partway into this message, I got a really bad feeling I could get to see this place someday. And he said something that day that I have never forgotten. He said, the worst two words that will ever be uttered in hell are the words, if only. If only I'd believed, if only I'd followed Jesus, if only I'd taken it seriously. And the horror of realising that you could die and discover you'd never touched the grace of God. You weren't part of his household. And the thought that you'd find out then was horrifying to me. And at, at the end of that message, I was genuinely deeply disturbed. If you, if, it, if, you, if you preached on hell and humour, you'd give a person a chance to get saved at the end of it, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd give them a chance. But I was in the Lutherans and we assumed that everybody was saved, so they scared the hell out of you and sent you home for lunch. And so they just sent me home. And I, I left church that day thinking to myself, I've got to get this figured out. Where do I stand with God, you know? And the big problem was I just didn't want to be a fanatic. Um, I wanted to go to heaven. It wasn't that I just believed anything. I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to be a normal Australian, have a normal life. And, and my plan was to be like a secret agent for God. I was going to fly under the radar all my life as a believer and then suddenly surface in heaven. And as I walked through the gates of heaven, everybody would be shocked and say, oh, we never thought we'd see you here, mate. And I'd say, oh, no, I was a secret agent for God. I was under the radar, mate. And... And my plan was to be just saved, you know. I didn't want people figuring it out. I just just saved so that as they, they'd hit me right on the backside, I'd just get in. Oh, beautiful. And, and when I realised, you, you better not get the maths on that wrong, Al, because to discover that you were not in at all and then, and then have that regret, if only, it was horrifying. So I figured out that day, I've got to get this figured. I've got to know, I've got to, I've got to get it figured out. How Christian do you have to be to get to heaven? Well, I was working in a university, in, I was working in a quarry during my uni vacation. I was driving a big truck. 
up and down a quarry. So I had all day by myself. And I'm sitting in the cabin of this truck crying and singing hymns to God to try to get him off my case and <laughs> trying to figure out how, how Christian am I prepared to be? Where's the line between salvation and being a fanatic? Can I, can I find it? So I start doing the numbers. I thought, well, what do you have to do to make sure you get to heaven? The first thought that came to me was money. God is nearly always broke. They tell you that in church. And if, if I was to give God money, that's got to count for something, you know? God some more. Of course, you wouldn't want to overdo it because he could waste your money if you weren't careful. And I, but I thought, well, I don't mind. I'll give more. And I thought, well, I'll put that on the list. You know, that's got to be good. Then I had a brilliant idea. Sunday school. Brilliant. I'm training to be a teacher. And after all, it happens in church on Sunday. I wouldn't mess up the rest of the week. Um, people wouldn't see it because if they're, if they're, the real centers don't go to church. So I could fly under the radar there. And after all, how much do you have to suffer to get to heaven? I thought, teaching Sunday school, that's got to be, that's suffering. That's got to count. And so I was getting a list of things together that I felt would be real Christian behaviors. And that's got to count to God, for God. And by about the Thursday, I was starting to feel a lot better. I think I could be this much of a Christian and it wouldn't mess up my life too much. I came home from the quarry on Thursday. I shower up, I'm going to take Helen to the drive-in. I got right near the front door and God spoke to me as clearly as I'm speaking to you. In here, in my chest. He said to me, I want you to be a minister. Well, dang, that was not on my list, I can tell you that now. I'm trying to figure out how to be a secret agent. I'm trying to fly on the road. If I have to be a minister, and I saw myself immediately dressed up like a Lutheran minister with the collar on and the big, the black garbs and everything, and I just burst into tears. I thought, oh, no, 19 years old and I'm dead already, you know. <laughs> Shoot me now. And I went, drove around to see Helen, took her out in the backyard, and I said, I think God wants me to be a minister. And she cried because she didn't want to marry a minister. <laughs> I was not a happy man. And from that moment, I had a call of God on my life that I didn't want to respond to. And I used to spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to disobey God and get to heaven at the same time. And there's a lot of energy involved in that equation. And one, I was in my final year of uni and I was in the library one day and I was so disturbed by this call of God on my life. I couldn't think and I was trying to study for an exam. And I really I can't stop this this turmoil on the inside, I'm going to fail this exam. And, and I looked on the university diary and I saw there was a Lutheran service in the religious centre at lunchtime. And I thought, well, I'll go to the religious centre. I mean, that's how desperate I was. I didn't go to the religious centre. I used to go to the billiards room. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll go, the, I'll go to the service and see if I can get some peace so I can study. So off I went to the, the Lutheran service at lunchtime, into the into the religious centre and I sat down and a guy came sat alongside me. <clears throat> Give you a hint. The way God manages the universe is extraordinary. And I can give you more than this testimony. I can give you quite a number of testimonies where this, the, the sovereignty of God in being able to get people to sit in the right seat at the right time without anybody knowing what's going on is just extraordinary. I sat down, there was no angelic choir singing, this is your day. 
It's all about to happen for you. There was none of that. I just sit down and he sits down beside me. And you need to know this. You have no idea when you sit down beside someone in a, in a bus or a train or in a cafe or, or in an office at work, you have no idea the turmoil that may be going on in the heart right beside you. And he came and sat down beside me and I was in turmoil. Now, throughout that uh, service, I sit there hoping I'm going to hear something that will settle my heart and I don't hear a thing. And at the end of the service, the guys, they start packing it up. And I'm so miserable, I didn't leave. I just sat there. And the guy next to me just opened his bag and took out his lunch. Here's a second tip. Don't leave conversations too soon. Don't leave an opportunity to just say, I mean, he didn't turn to me and say, "Ah, oh, you saved, mate. He didn't say that to me. He just, I got out his lunch. And he, we, we just began to have a conversation. But because my heart was in turmoil, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. So you don't have to prize information out of people. Yeah, tell us, what's the deepest sin in your life? You know, I've got Jesus. You know, just talk to people. Be kind to them. Spend time with them. Have a coffee. Don't leave too soon. And it, if there's something in there, they can't. It'll come out out of the abundance of the heart. I start spilling it out. And a conversation started that went on for the next three hours. He stayed and sat with me, and that conversation totally changed my life. I wouldn't be here talking to you today if it hadn't been for that conversation. And I'm just so grateful that. There came a moment when he said, well, why, why are you so upset? And I said, because God called me to be, to be a minute of that. That's brilliant. And I said, no, that's terrible. You know, that's hot. I, I don't want to be a minister. I, 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 just, I just want to be normal. And he asked me, well, tell me, you know, what do you believe? Are you, are you a believer? Yeah. Well, tell me what do you believe. Well, you ask a Lutheran that. He'll go, he'll go, I've got a lot of material to tell you, man. Because I've been, I mean, I did catechism with my pastor for two years, and we we go. I've got the stuff. So, what do you believe? I said, Well, I, I believe it all. Well, well, like what? Well, I believe in, in in God the Father Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth, and, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Third day, he rose again from the dead. Ascended into heaven. Sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the dead, and the life everlasting. <laughs> Do you think I'm saved? He said, oh, it's possible. <laughs> he said, um, you believe all that? Yeah, I do. Well, I'm just wondering if, mate, you, you might have missed one of the words in that confession. Because sometimes, you, sometimes, you know, in theology we get so many words we don't know what we believe anymore. And so many trees you can't see the forest. And I just wonder if there's a word in there you might have missed. You know, that bit back there, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Um, that was a pretty heavy-duty confession right there. And that's a lot of believing you've got going on. Let's simplify it a little bit. The earliest Christian confession 
was just four words. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's all it was. That, that was the earliest confession. Now, the, the, the longer we've been doing this thing, the, the longer the confessions get. We just bring it right back to the guts. Jesus Christ is Lord. Al, do you know what the word Lord means? Well, I, I guess it's part of his name. Like if he, if he, he wouldn't have three names if you took out Lord. He'd only be Jesus Christ. Then, but he's Lord Jesus Christ. Like I'm Alan Roger Meyer. And I, I guess it's kind of like, it's a title, you know, like there's Professor Jim Dobson and he's Lord Jesus Christ. No, 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 it's, it's a lot more than that. See, the word has content. It means something. Do you know what it means? Well, I guess. Well, let me tell you what it means. It means master. It means the owner. It means the one with supreme power. It means the one who has all authority. It means the supreme being, the one with dominion and power and authority. Bring it down to one word. He's the boss. Do you believe that? Well, I guess. See, what you need to know, Al, though, you see, that, that um, office that he holds is the big contest. That's what it's always, that's what the fight is. You go back to the Garden of Eden and that's what the fight was about. Because the creator of the heaven and the earth says, I create the entire thing for you. It's all yours. Have a lot of fun, but don't touch that tree. Because the day in which you touch that tree, you'll most surely die. And the whole thing is just a question of loyalty. Are you prepared to honour his role as king, as the owner, as the supreme authority? Are you prepared to do that? That's what the contest has always been about. That word is the key. Um, you you want to hear how it unfolds in the Psalms? I mean, uh, the, the fact is, this is what the contest is all about. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Psalm 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. This is what it's all been about. We don't want to follow. I'll be boss. Why can't you be boss? I'll do it my way. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. It's been the big contest. It's what the whole of life is really all about. The question is, can you embrace him as Lord? It's what the whole fight's about. Who's the boss? The truth is this, Jesus Christ is Lord. In fact, when, when, he was, um, when he was introduced to the world by angels, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, what did the angels go tell the shepherds? For today in the city of David there has been born for you a saviour. Yes, he is your saviour, but he's Christ the Lord. In Acts 2.36, Therefore I'll know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Philippians 2, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow 
of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 1 Peter, but sanctify Christ as Lord. 1 Corinthians 8, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. Revelation, And these will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So you've got you to get this figured out, Alf. This is the big contest. Is he Lord or is he not? Because you see, that's the deal. That's the issue. Al, um, it sounds to me like what you're trying to do here is you're trying to kind of form a covenant with God, but you're not forming the right kind of covenant because you see, you've got to understand this, the gospel is a deathicky. That's pretty deep. You better explain that one to me because I don't know what the, that word means, deathicky. Well, it's the Greek word for an agreement or a covenant. The problem is that's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to create a sunthicky. The big difference between a deathicky and a sunthicky because a sun thicky won't fly, mate. This is what you're trying to do. You're trying to create a relationship with God that's a sun thicky. Well, I don't understand what that means. Well, imagine this. Someone puts their motorbike in the trading post. And you ring up and you say, I want to buy your motorbike. How much do you want for it? And he says, I want $3,000. And you say, you're dreaming, mate. You're dreaming. I offer you $1,500. He says, no, I won't sell it for 15, but I will sell for 2.5. 2.5, you're dreaming, mate. I'd go to two and eventually we settle on 22.50 and it's a done deal, but that's a sun thicky. You see, it's a negotiated agreement between equals and that's fine, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is not a negotiated agreement between equals it's a deathicky, it is an agreement to an inferior and it is non-negotiable out. You see, you've got to understand the gospel is non-negotiable. Jesus Christ is Lord. You're trying to negotiate to marry a dishwasher. <laughs> this theological thing's out of control for me, mate. I, 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 now I'm marrying a dishwasher. Yeah, he said, no, you've got to understand it. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to marry a dishwasher. You see, Christ is not presented to you as Saviour. He's presented to you as Lord. Imagine that you go to marry that little girl someday, mate, and you walk down the aisle and you're standing there in front of the minister and you're holding her little hand and the minister says to you, Alan, make, make your vows to this girl. And I say... Uh, I, Alan Roger Meyer, do take you, Helen, uh, as my lawfully wedded dishwasher. She's going to say, excuse me? Oh, yeah, and there's also uh, my lawfully wedded cook. 
and my lawfully wedded bedmate. And, and I said, excuse me? I did not walk down this aisle to covenant with you to be your lawfully wedded dishwasher. I came to be your wife. And if you take me as your wife, there just might occasionally be a dish that gets washed. <laughs> but I will not be married as a dishwasher. See, that's what you're trying to do with Jesus, mate. You want uh, to covenant with him to be your saviour, but he isn't offered to you as your saviour. He's offered to you as your Lord. And if you embrace him as your Lord, he'll save you. Because here's the problem you're facing, Al, and this is the challenge. And this was the sentence, or this was the idea that totally my life. He said to him, Al, you are trying to have Jesus as your saviour, but you don't want him as your Lord. You can't have him as your saviour if you will not embrace him as Lord. And I am so grateful that that's the dude that sat next to me on that deeply troubled day in my life. Because in that moment, I saw it as clearly then as I do now that I was trying to negotiate my eternal destiny and it's not up for negotiation. The negotiation took place on the cross with the death of Jesus. There's now only one question, will you embrace him as Lord? Because with him as Lord comes the whole package. With Helen as my wife comes the whole package. But you can't marry a dishwasher. <laughs> the Bible says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I was in church for years, thinking that I could have a saviour, but ignore his lordship in my life. Listen to it in the, in the words of Jesus himself. Listen to how Jesus says exactly what that young man told me. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. They they didn't get miss out because of the miracles or the prophecy or all the works. They missed out because they never stopped being evildoers. You can't embrace Jesus and just go on in the same old life. You have to follow. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do the things that I say? That conversation changed my life. I went home from uni. I learned more on that afternoon than I had in four years at uni. It reoriented my whole thinking. And from that moment, I realised, suck it up, Al. God has spoken to you. Here you're, you miserable coot. The, crea the, creator of the, the creator of the heavens and the earth invites you onto his team and you're blubbering as if someone kicked you in the backside. You have been honoured with an opportunity. Now, either embrace it and everything goes with it or shut up and go sit in a corner somewhere.
but stop trying to negotiate the non-negotiable. Christ is Lord. I went home from there and everything was clear. I could see what the issues were and from that moment I could then make different decisions. Oh boy, it helps when you have a conversation with someone who's willing to tell you the truth. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said to his critics, tell me what you think of this parable. There was once a man with two sons and the father came to the first and said, son, I want you to go and work in the vineyard today. And the son replied, I'd rather not. But afterwards, he deeply regretted what he said to his father, changed his mind and decided to go to the vineyard. I am that son. That's me. I'm in the Bible. That's it. The father approached the second son and said the same to him. The son replied, Father, I will go and I will do as you have said. But he never did. He didn't go to the vineyard. Tell me now, he said, which of these two sons did the will of his father? They answered him, the first one. Jesus said, you are right. For many sinners, tax collectors and prostitutes are going into God's kingdom realm ahead of you. Listen, have you been a sinner? Have you done some terrible things? That, that will never keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. Your sins and your past will never keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, that's not the issue. Is a saviour. The thing is, you've got to be prepared to listen to him. You've got to be prepared to embrace him as Lord. He said, these kind of people, they're going in ahead of you because John came to show you the path of goodness and righteousness, yet the despised and the outcasts believed him and you did not. And when you saw them turn, you neither repented of your, word, your ways nor believed his words. Now let me ask you a couple of questions. Is Jesus Christ your Lord? I'm not asking you, do you believe in him? I'm asking you, is he, is he your Lord? Is his will your way? Even if, you, even if you're stumbling and falling, but that's, that's it, my direction, my compass is I'm following him. If Jesus really was your Lord, would things have to change? If Jesus was really your Lord, would you have to spend your money differently? If Jesus was really your Lord, would you have to handle other people's money differently? If Jesus was really your Lord, would your sex life have to change? Or is your sex life the one thing no one is permitted to talk to you about? That sits on the throne. If you were really to engage with Christ as Lord, would you have to love better? Would you have to relate to your wife, your husband, your father, your mother? Would you just have to relate differently if Jesus was Lord? If Jesus was Lord, would you have to go to work and do a different day's work than you currently do? If they were trying to convict you for being a Christian at work, could they find enough evidence to get a conviction? If Jesus was really your Lord, would you handle your worst enemy differently? If Christ was really your Lord, would you forgive more quickly? Would you forgive more completely? If Christ was your Lord, would you stop driving and texting at the same time? If Christ was Lord, would you clean up your room? Could your mother stop yelling at you because of the state of your room? 
If Jesus Christ was Lord, could, would you resolve conflict more quickly? Would you pray more potently? Would you serve with more passion if he was Lord? Let me sing your song. I'm a child of the charismatic movement. We were in, a, in the 1960s when we first began to encounter the power of God, the grace of God. There was a, a chorus that was just part of our life. It's an old chorus. Some of you will think I must have written this myself because you've never heard it before. <laughs> but it's just, it was one of the choruses that came out of the charismatic movement. That's all right. You're doing great now. Feel good. There you go. Yeah, just down a little bit and then we'll be right. And you can have this one. Start from volume one. Thanks. apartment put in a tenant told the guy he'd be back on the first of the month to connect to collect the rent every month came back the first of the next month knocked on the door guy came to the door opened the door and said oh you're the owner he said yes i am he says wonderful he says i've got something for you you are the owner you are the owner. You have bought this apartment. You are the owner. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that you are the owner. Shut the door and went inside. I just said, that's amazing. I've never seen that before in my life. Maybe he's going to give me two months' rent when I come back next month. Came back the first of the next month, knocked on the door. Guy comes to the door. Oh, sweetheart, it's the owner. Out comes his wife and two kids. 
they begin to sing, you are the owner, you are the owner, you have bought this apartment, you are the owner, kick in with three-part harmony, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that you are the owner, shuts the door and goes inside. God says, this is extraordinary. Maybe next month I'll get three months. Turns up the next month, knocks on the door. Out comes the guy. He says, oh, it's the owner. Suddenly a 16-part band appears. All the neighbours gather. They've been formed into a choir. And together they all begin to sing, you are the owner. There will come a moment when he will say, shut up and show me the money. There will come a moment in your life where your songs will not cut it as a substitute for And every one of us need to be aware that he is worth more than a song. He is worth your life. He is worth your obedience. He is worth your loyalty. And by the grace of God, somebody told me that at a point where it changed everything in my, in my life and tonight I want to tell it to you and for some of you it just might change everything about the orientation of your life. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that by the grace of God you would touch every heart in this place. I pray, Father, that your spirit would rest upon us because sometimes we deceive ourselves. Sometimes we've... we've substituted performance for obedience and I pray tonight that you would strip away the self-deceptions and just help us to see our own heart I thank you for that I thank you for that man that young man who sat beside me and said that's the things I needed to hear I thank you that I'm here tonight to tell it again And I pray in Jesus' name that right now your spirit would touch people right where they are. If if tonight you know you needed to hear this, I needed to hear this because I've been deceiving myself, if that's you. In just a moment, I want you to be honest enough to just lift your hand and say, Lord, I heard this tonight. And where you're sitting, I'll pray for you. There's another group that maybe tonight no one has ever told you what I've just told you tonight. Maybe you're trying to negotiate your way to heaven and you're not going to be able to pull it off. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one name under heaven given amongst men whereby you can be saved. And it's not by just believing that he rose from the dead. It's by being able to say he is Lord and meaning every every bit of it. Maybe no one ever told you that before, but today you heard my story and you say, I think I I don't want to find myself one day saying, if only I'd done it, if only I'd listened. today you are a follower of Jesus but you needed to hear this you needed to get your compass reoriented just want you to lift your hand I want to pray for you right where you are just say Father you see those hands you see that acknowledgement in the name of Jesus I pray that your spirit would breathe upon them and say good man good good on you girl well done sir well done say to them I'm with you I'm for you I'm not against you now wholeheartedly wholeheartedly trust me 
It may be that you've never given your life to Christ or maybe you did once and you've let it, you've let it go. You know that you really do need to come to Him today and say, here I am. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. I want you to lift your hand. In Jesus' name, I see your hand. I see another hand. There's a couple over here. Jesus, anyone else? Anyone else? In Jesus' name. Father, I pray. There comes a moment where in our heart we know it's true. I need you. I need to bow my heart. And Lord, today I pray that upon this man, upon this woman, and maybe there are those here who didn't raise their hand, but inwardly they're crying out and saying, Jesus, help me. I pray today that in the name of Jesus, the grace of God would cover uh, these precious hearts. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.